the gatekeepers aren't there, and things now have this opportunity to become news. It's not just going viral. It's just that the gatekeeper's gone, and everybody has a direct you know, access. The challenge is that not everyone has the skills to do this tremendously well. Top leaders. Meaningful conversation. Actionable advice. Bulldoze complacency. Ignite inspiration. Create impact. Produced by the Southwestern family of companies. This is the Action Catalyst. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. I'm proud to introduce you to two people who made a big impact on my life. Barbara Henricks is the president of Cave Henricks Communications, which is a firm that has spearheaded campaigns for Jack Welch, Marcus Buckingham, uh, Tom Raff, and then one of her business partners, Rusty Sheldon, has worked on more than 25 New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestsellers. And they have flipped roles and they have a book called Mastering the New Media Landscape. And so thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Well, let's dive in. You use this phrase micromedia. So can you just introduce what is micromedia and how, how has the media landscape changed in the last, you know, five or 10 years? Sure. So what Barbara and I talk a lot about in the book is this idea of embracing the micromedia mindset. And the way that we think of that is we've really entered the age of micromedia, where every individual and brand is a media outlet, whether they know it or not. So everybody listening to this podcast right now, companies, nonprofits, et cetera, are, are all media outlets today. Again, whether they, they recognize that or not. And so what they have the power to do now is to go around gatekeepers that used to guard access to uh, to ink in newspapers or the airwaves uh, on a on a radio program or, or a TV show and now they can go right around those traditional gatekeepers and and get directly to their audience and uh, the way that we think about that is some people that are that are listening to this podcast may just influence a, a few hundred people via a Facebook profile or a Twitter account other people like you uh, through the podcast are influencing tens of thousands of people each month. And so it's this idea that um, individuals and brands have an opportunity that they've never had before to build out a subscriber base and an audience that they own the connection to. And those micromedia outlets matter tremendously to anyone looking to get the word out in today's media landscape. What are the real implications of this to business owners, to customers, What's happened is, you know, the media, the traditional media, the Oprah, the CNN, the Fox and Friends, you know, all of those have been challenged. This was largely caused by the Internet. So that real estate, those national media hits in traditional or earned space are probably more valuable than ever. If you believe in the economic principles, things that are scarce being more valuable. The big change here is there are no gatekeepers. So... The upside of that is you can build this personal connection to your audience. The downside of this is that it's made the world go from noisy to what I call deafening. It also makes the news mm. cycle itself very odd. So this is what's changed. The gatekeepers aren't there, and things now have this opportunity to become news. It's not just going viral. It's just that the gatekeeper's gone, and everybody has a direct op you know, access. Practically speaking, this means there's an opportunity before you to use this democratic access to this space to engage, to offer valuable information, to um, engage in dialogue. The challenge is that not everyone has the skills to do this tremendously well. So we have layman journalists, 
you know, something very insignificant or minor or trivial can push real news out of the spotlight or out of the headline. The upside of that is think about some of the good uses. You know, the ALS ice bucket challenge. Millions of people, sure. $20 million was generated by that campaign for people. You know, it was outrageous. It was silly. It was a visual. It also raised a lot of awareness and a lot of money. So the environment is really, you know, it is a two-edged sword. There are also new creations like Reddit's AMA, Ask Me Anything. We now have access to people like Bill Gates, President Obama, who will take advantage of this, and we have more direct access. So it's definitely an up and downside to this new environment. But the fact of the matter is the environment's different, and we all need to change. So you guys in the book, you talk about the three different categories of media. Can you touch on those? Most people that we talk to, uh, when they're thinking about a marketing plan or a launch strategy for a book or a product, it typically is grouped into one of two areas. It's either social or it's traditional. And uh, Barbara and I feel like that's a really dated way to look at the media environment. It really doesn't apply anymore. In this media environment, we think what is most important for your listeners and, and others to think about is this idea of whether or not they own the media. So in other words, whether or not they own the real estate online. And so in the book, we separate media into three categories, owned, earned, and rented media. So owned media is every piece of real estate online and every media that you own. So your website, if it's hosted on, on your name, your blog, because it lives on that same website, your email list, because you own the connection to your audience through that email list. If you have a physical mailing list, as many companies do, that's owned media. The idea around owned media, and as Barbara and I really look at the overall media landscape, owned media equals leverage in this media landscape. It, it, it's an audience that you can get to anytime you want to. And so you don't have to hope that NPR says yes to an interview request. You don't have to hope that Fast Company agrees to run your article. If you own the connection with a large audience, you can reach them anytime you want. Second category is rented media. Um, so a lot of people uh, that we hear talk about, you know, their audience, they say, okay, well, my Facebook page, my Twitter account, my LinkedIn profile. And, and in some ways that's true. Of course, you've got a lot of control over what your LinkedIn profile looks like. You've got a lot of control over what goes out on your Twitter feed. Uh, but in actuality, you actually own that real estate. You're in many ways renting that real estate. And so a lot of brands found this out the hard way in 2013 when Facebook tweaked their algorithm and limited access to the audience that brands had spent years building on brand pages uh, and one, in one failed swoop, limited access to that audience to about 10% of what brands had previously. And so uh, what Barbara and I talk a lot about in the book is this idea that, yes, we, we ab well, absolutely think uh, that uh, individuals and brands should have a, a smart rented media strategy. But you always have to keep in the back of your mind that the audience that you leave on Facebook or the audience that you leave on LinkedIn, as opposed to consistently focusing on trying to convert them to your email list or owned media, is an audience that's always at risk. Uh, the last category for us is earned media. Uh, and earned media includes uh, what we might think of as traditional media. So it's getting an opportunity to be featured in the New York Times or Fox Business or NPR or others, earned media for us also includes this podcast because uh, this podcast is not something that, that you're letting just anybody onto. We've got to earn our way onto this podcast. So it's, it's this idea that there's a lot of perceived credibility. 
that goes along with earned media. And there's a good reason for that because it's, it's not easy to get on. And so the way that we think about earned media, and you've done this so well with your podcast, is this idea that when you get out in front of an audience, what you're trying to do is not just provide extreme value and, and give them entertaining and informative content, but we always want to have that call to action, whether it's a free quiz or a download uh, on a website or a reason for those people to, to hit on their smartphone in the audience and, and head over to the website and grab a free ebook or whatever it may be. And so those are the three categories that we think are, are important for people to be thinking about and this idea that you always want to have a bit of a magnet directing people towards owned media. You mentioned the idea early on that everybody is a journalist now because of really because of social at least. And and so at the salesperson level, if we go all the way down there, the why should we care about micromedia or should we care? And if we care, how much should we care? Like how much time should we be spending on it? I'm going to make the argument, the audacious argument that you should care more than any other sector of business because your job is not just to be transactional, right? The best salespeople are what? They're relationship-based. They're trying to do more than close the sale. They're trying to create a relationship. So what media does at the own level is it gives you direct access to your customer base. So all your clients now, you can be servicing them basically all the time, not just when you go in for the sales call, but you can be providing valuable content all the time. So these tools should really be looked at as, okay, I'm not going to just grow a subscriber base, as Rusty said, that sits on Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever I keep it. I'm going to challenge myself to create my own customer base on some piece of real estate that I own so that I can constantly be giving them something that's valuable. We need to be pushing the media. We reach out to them with pitches. We follow up. We're trying to build a relationship so that the next time a book crosses their desk, what goes through their mind? Not do, am I interested in this book, but... Do those guys bring me good stuff or do they crowd my desk with 58 books every day that I don't have anything to do with what I write about or what I do on my show? So if we build the right kind of relationship with our contacts and we use media to do it. So, you know, what are your customers needs besides your product? What can you provide them that A, distinguishes yourself and B, delivers something that makes you memorable and different in their minds? And I think micromania is a good way to do that. What do they need? What are they looking for? answer those questions kind of what you know it's what we try, I try to do on our blog you know I might interview a literary agent but does anybody need a literary agent today who reads my blog authors authors who are trying to get attention I'm trying to serve my audience between the times that they need my service and I think that salespeople have the potential to do that it's what you're doing right now you're doing a podcast you know you're making touch points beyond just you know one initial impression micromedia really allows you to make constant impressions or to manage the relationship so that you are there with something valuable when you cross their, you know, their desk in this very noisy, distracted world in which we leave. What's the right amount of time to spend doing this? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a good question. I, I do think it varies by person, but we see as a pretty consistent uh, time commitment, you know, people can do this well with 15 to 30 minutes a day focused on it. And what we recommend a lot of times is, is breaking that up into a couple of times a day where where you hop on the Twitter or LinkedIn, I think, are, are the two platforms that are most appropriate, at least in the rented media space for, for salespeople. And, you know, you had asked earlier, uh, why should we care as a, as a sales industry about micromedia? And just to expand on, on something that Barbara talked about there, 
the power of perception is is hugely important for salespeople. Salespeople should be seen as the authority in their industry. And it's very hard to be an authority unless you have a personal brand in place. And we believe in today's media landscape, the best route to a personal brand uh, that positions you as an authority where you can prescribe and not sell is to become a micromedia outlet yourself and associate yourself through good content, through interviews, through uh, you know, influencer connections with uh, the, the current tastemakers in your industry. One last little question, and I'd love to hear from both of you on this. The world is changing so ridiculously fast. How can companies and also individuals sort of future-proof themselves to survive the, the changing media landscape, if you will? So there are a couple things I would throw out first before I toss it over to Rusty. So one is just being what we call discoverable. So before you open up anything new or decide you have to engage in, you know, 20 new activities, start with where you are. Look at yourself, Google search, you know, do a, a search engine shot on yourself and see how easy you are to find. You should be on page one of Google. So the first thing you do is find out how discoverable you are so that when people want you, need you, they can find you. To do that, Rusty, I know, would give the advice, go out right now, today, stop everything, and buy the URL that's associated with your name. So www.barbarahenricks.com. If you can do that, lock down that real estate, it will get more valuable over time. The second thing I would do is just make sure that all the bios that people can see actually reflect what you do today. Over and again, authors come to us with bios that don't talk about their latest book. You know, they say, or mm. they just mention the book, they don't embed certain keywords that the media might be looking for. So, you know, we worked with a woman who'd written a book about terrorism, essentially, and one little tweak of her social media bio when ISIS erupted drove all sorts of traffic to her door. She was an expert on ISIS. She was. So all we needed to do was embed that. So look at your own, the existing bios that you have, Make sure they're up to date. Make sure they're accurate so that you're discoverable and buy your URL. Second is a really easy one in a softer principle, which is never sacrifice credibility. When you start representing yourself online, always be accurate, always be authentic. I just don't think that there's any replacement for mm. that. Don't start mm. creating an image um, that you are not comfortable with, that it is false. Um, just be who you are. Perhaps be a little larger or dramatic so that, you know, it is seen, maybe not dramatics the bedroom, but be more of who you are in larger doses, but always be authentic and always be accurate. Yeah, what I would add to that, I think, you know, Barbara, Barbara hit the nail on the head there uh, around uh, clarity. And I think in this noisy media environment, the, the individuals and brands that provide real clarity for what their brand is have a huge advantage. Uh, you see a lot of people... Uh, that are that are building out a, a micromedia outlet where um, it, there's it's not real clear kind of what value they're providing. You know, there there are people that own you know certain certain phrases or certain certain areas of focus, and I think branding and clarity around branding is hugely important. Uh, the other thing I would say in terms of future proofing is again not to put all of your eggs in any one basket. I see a lot of people that are incredibly heavy on their Facebook page or uh, the, the entirety of their platform is wrapped up with the fact that they have a Forbes column. And in a moment's notice, if you don't own the real estate, you've got to be really clear that that could be taken away from you or Facebook could make a change and limit access to your audience. So future-proofing, we believe the more of the connection to the audience that you own 
through an email list, through subscribers on your site, etc., the more leverage you have over the long term. So I would say owning a connection with your audience is another thing I would say is a really important future-proofing strategy. Yeah. Where do you want people to go to connect with you and uh, get the book? Sure. So the best place to go is masteringthenewmedialandscape.com. There's lots of good information about the book there. Uh, they can also go to cavehenricks.com to learn more about uh, Cave Henricks Communications, rustyshelton.com uh, to learn a little bit more about what we're up to. But we're really excited about the book and, you know, sure appreciate you having us on. Thank you guys so much. We wish you the very best. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. And to stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and on Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. And as always, thanks for listening.